that certainly didn't go to Gorquad on the left. Amble was so clever, so good. And Murphy is it. What a goal. What a blues. The young and the old together. The ground and there it is. Paulson, McGovern again. Oh, yes. This to give Carlton the lead. G'day Blue Baggers and welcome to the Blues Footy Podcast. An unfortunate result tonight. We've gone down to the Saints at Marvel Stadium in what was, in all honesty, not the best showing from our mob tonight, but we move on. We'll analyse the match, dissect the showing tonight and get straight into it. This week's edition of the show is brought to you by Five Star Trophies and Giftware based in the Melbourne CBD. Leading the industry in personalised customer service, Mark and the team at Five Star will look after all your trophy and awards needs. Do you have a signed Guernsey or a footy that needs framing? Mark will look after you. The team at Five Star have over 15 years of experience in the Australian football landscape, looking after AFL, VFL and junior footy clubs, including the mighty Bluebaggers. Head over to fivestartrophies.com.au. That's the numeral five, not F-I-V-E, the numeral five star trophies. .com.au to find out more and even request a personal Zoom meeting or FaceTime with Mark. Mention the Blues Footy Podcast and Mark will be sure to give you a healthy discount just for being a fellow blue bagger. It's your host Jed Zetzer here alongside a fellow blue bagger, Harrison Hymans. Welcome to the show, Bolt. G'day, Zeus. Um, pretty flat night, to be honest. Um, just, just, just bang on average. That's the only way I can describe it, really. I didn't think we were horrible, didn't think we were great. We just outplayed, really. I, I completely agree, and I think uh, we've set our standards a bit higher after two wins on the trot, and that was just disappointing considering uh, our results in the last fortnight. I actually think it was a bit more of the opposition tonight. I actually think if we would have played, I actually think we played pretty similar against Essendon last week. To be honest, I thought oh, we I actually agree. played pretty similarly. You know, we still made our blues. We still looked pretty good streaming forward, and you know, crossing channels and the handball chains. Yeah, that's the middle. a fair call. You know, because the forward line wasn't. Great. I know Casbolt was really good last week, and our goals came through the forward line last week. But you know, we still kicked a similar score. But there's some major, major errors that creep into our game, and that result directly in opposition scoring. Yeah, look, I couldn't agree more. And I think tonight, in all honesty, I thought it was a coaching masterclass from Brett Radden. He coached well, Rats. It was actually fantastic. The move, the move to bring Jaron Geary in and play him on Sam Doherty. I mean. We underestimated it. The two of us, For sure. in all honesty, were laughing. 100%. And it's actually ended up winning St Kilda the game because Sam Doherty was beaten that heavily that he was actually forced to then move on to a wing. Our back line, yeah. as a result, was unorganised and, and was, beaten. And I think it was more the fact, you know, he still had 20 disposals, 8 marks, but it was more the fact that we were speaking about last week, how he's the general, and it's him setting up the play and being able yeah. to get everyone else in the well, game. Well, they took that away yeah, from exactly. us. Yeah, exactly. And that's, and, that's, and that's his main attribute, really. Because yep. he's always going to get the footy dockety. Yeah. He's always going to get the ball, but, you know, the fact that they took that's you know... That, you know, setting up element out of his... Because Doherty had to worry about himself. Yeah. That's, Doherty had to worry about Which himself. Which he usually, he usually plays on no one. Yeah. Uh, Sam Philp was a late in tonight for Zach Fisher, who went out with Gastro. We wish yeah. the fish well. 
Uh, I thought Philp was actually pretty impressive. Yeah, so he wasn't great last week, obviously. And you know what? To be, in, in all honesty, I know we said you know on last week's podcast that he'd probably be dropped. But at the end of the day, you know, for a second, you know, for a player in his first year, he probably needed that continuity and that confidence, knowing that you know he belongs. And I, I know, and, and you know what? He wasn't unbelievable tonight, but I definitely feel like he impacted a little bit more tonight. Well. The stat for me, which is telling, he had 11 possessions, 7 score involvements. Yeah. So, so for no, mine, no, he, that's, that's really impressive. I thought he played well. He'll, he'll play next week, Phil. He'll no, play, he, and he should. And and you know what? He didn't He didn't wet the bed like he did last yeah, week. He, no, no. He definitely... He probably he, needed the second game, to be fair. He did. Yeah. He did. No, I, actually, I thought it was a blessing in disguise. Because, I mean, Zach Fisher probably would have had more of an impact on the game. I mean, you never know, but, but probably would have. But... Yeah, Phil, Phil actually actually did not mind his game at no, all. No, he was, he was okay. He was a little bit cleaner tonight. Kicked a goal, which was really good. 80% efficiency with yeah. the 11 touches, so not complaining at all. far worse than Phil. I think that the game for us, we, we, we mentioned Doherty, but I think it was really lost in the ruck. Rowan Marshall... He got bullied in the ruck. Yeah, um, Rowan, Rowan Marshall had an absolute field day, and look, Pittenet was brilliant. In his first three games, but he he really got exposed tonight. Around, around the ground, we know he's not an around the ground ruckman. Yeah, um, and I still thought you know he was okay at stoppages, but there were a couple of times where he got out positioned, uh, you know, easily, mm. and then gave away you know a free kick. To be honest, away, he gave away three free kicks, pitting it. Yeah, to be honest, I think you could tell from the opening ten minutes of the match. Yeah, that no, was no, happening. no, yeah, yeah. He wasn't I remember great. writing to you twelve minutes into the game saying, yeah. Marshall is dominating. Yeah. Dominating. No, no, he wasn't great tonight, uh, Mr. Worldwide. But, you know, an opportunity will present next week. You know, that's a good opportunity for Mr. Worldwide to get back into it. Was that one of Will Setterfield's best games for the club? Yeah, that was a really good game for Setterfield. Um, definitely in his top few games at the Carlton Footy Club. He just, you know, when Cripps was down, you know, we needed a bigger body to go in there. And, you know, he hit the scoreboard really well, which is... Always a bonus for a midfielder. Yep, certainly. Um, no, I, no, I thought that was definitely one of Setterfield's better games for Carlton. Thoughts on Sam Walsh? There's been a lot of mixed mixed reports on his game tonight. A lot of people thought it was okay, and some people are saying just not good enough. What were your thoughts? I, I thought, okay. Yeah, nothing Neither special. Neither here nor there, to be honest. Yeah, I, I actually thought his first half was... He was one of our better players in the Probably first half. Probably in the half. first quarter, yeah. He just but then he when the rest missing a bit. When the rest of the team lifted, I felt he sort of didn't really. Yeah. And man. then made a couple of errors. I mean, there was obviously the one Do we have to get kick. him back in the middle? Because he hasn't been playing in the middle. He's been playing on yeah, a wing. I, I think so, Should to be honest. Should we throw him in the middle? Like, I, I think so. I think so. Because he's one of the players, you know, last year, like, he would... You know, when he's up and running, we're obviously a better team. I agree. I agree. And there's one man who's probably taken his spot in the middle who was absolutely sensational tonight, Jack Martin. Ooh, yeah. And I just want to say, I'm not... I mean, we say it every week. We name our bottom three as as a way to just give these players a nudge. Oh, he was in mine last week, now, wasn't he? Jack yeah. Martin was in yours last week. He, he came out and responded tonight with a brilliant game. Betts did it a few weeks the ago week as well. Be- the week before was Williamson, who came out yeah. last week and had a brilliant game. And the week before was Betts, who came out two weeks ago and had a brilliant game. Yes. So, tonight... I'm going to be thinking real hard about who I'm putting in the bottom three to give a little nudge to have a better game next week. The thing that's most noticeable with Martin, he's got the stickiest hands I've ever seen for a midfielder. Yep. He is so clean. He doesn't fumble, Martin. He is a serious player. He's he's a jet. He's a jet. So I proposed the question a couple of weeks ago, who would you prefer out of Jack Martin and Jade Gresham? 
It was 50-50. I think a lot of people said Jade Gresham. For mine, after tonight, I'd, I'd rather Jack Martin. It's still an interesting one. Martin, the fact that he's a player that can play you know, above his head and on the ground, probably he definitely adds more going forward of the ball. Um, yeah, it's a really tough one. I, it probably might be Martin. He's just a clean... He's just... He's silk, Jack Martin. He He's he's a jet. I can't put it any other way. Yeah, he no, is completely. a serious player, Jack Martin. Well, it's time now to bring in our expert for the week, a fellow blue bagger. He is a digital content coordinator at Croc Media and a contributor at the AFL Record. He's doing a lot of good things in the footy world, and he's a fellow blue bagger. That's, that's the best thing about Always him. Always a bonus. Nick Negropontis, welcome to the Blues Footy Podcast. Jed Harrison, thanks for having me. We really appreciate you coming on, Nick, especially at this time of night after the game. We love to record straight after it, get it as raw and emotional as possible. So, yeah, we really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, no worries. It was a bit of a mixed bag, that one. Um, If you want raw and emotional, I think we all went through about seven or eight during that game. Certainly. It's very hard to grasp that match, I think. it was. There was a lot to take out of it. Were we the worst team on the night, or was it just a case of St Kilda being really well coached, and as a result, we struggled on the evening? It's a good question. I think we were outplayed by a better team. I said going into the game that I thought St Kilda were a team probably a stage or two ahead of us in terms of their list build and development, and I think that showed they were better going forward. Uh, They were more efficient going inside 50, and they killed us in the first quarter in the clearances and in the stoppages. It didn't reflect that on the stat sheet, but if you were watching the game closely, you you knew that our midfield was getting crushed. Unfortunately, it was simply just a game where we didn't come out firing in the first quarter. We were completely outcoached in the first quarter. All of St Kilda's matchups worked to their advantage in the first quarter. And then we got the game on our terms from there. Late in the second quarter, all of the third quarter, we were on top. Teague adjusted really well. But we didn't do enough on the scoreboard to get back into the game. And unfortunately, that was that. The sting went out of the game and we didn't have enough time to reel in the margin. No, I completely agree. And I also think the one big takeaway from the first quarter especially was just the spread and the willingness to run into space and kind of, you know, change the channels and direction of kicking was just killing us. Because you saw it so many times. You know, Petrescu, Seed and Simpson, these guys were just, you know, just... 10 metres are trailing behind, you know, Kent was getting on the end of him, Butler was getting on the end of him, it was just like a wave that, and it was such an unpredictable wave, which is, I think, you know, testament to St Kilda. Absolutely. I think part of what stopped us in that first quarter on the spread was the fact that they were keeping three or four forwards really deep, which yes. really confused uh, Samo and Doherty in particular. They didn't know whether to go. No, you're right. And that's why we were getting a lot of they were getting a lot of good spread. That's just and and, th- like and that allowed that space inside fifty for them to work in anyway. You're right. Yeah, correct. Yeah, correct. Oh, but- I, I completely agree. I, I think St Kilda were just as you mentioned, they were running in waves tonight. But something that I noticed uh, going forward, our three main men up front being Mackay, Casbolt, and McGovern probably were all, well, definitely were all beaten on the evening, but they went missing. Nick, do you think that was, you know, a big factor in our result tonight? Yeah, you're right as well there. The key forwards were really poor, I thought. Casbolt's a confidence player, and he had a he had a poor night, but he's allowed a stinker. He's had a really good start to the year. Mackay, I don't know what's going on with him. Oh. He can't get the ball. He, he can't get in positions. Whenever he gets near it, he either drops the mark or he misses the set shot. He's he's in a bit of a rut, and I honestly, it's hard to say, but I, I almost, if Silvani spit, I would almost swing the change there. I think Harry 
has has not brought enough to the table so far this year. I couldn't have put it better myself. I think if Silvani's ready next week, H just needs a spell in the twos purely on the basis that he needs to get his hands on the footy. You know, he's not clunking him because even last year when he wasn't hitting the scoreboard, he was still coming up the ground and taking eight, nine marks a game and still getting involved in that sense. But he, you're right, he's actually in a rut. And, you know, goal kicking is one thing. But tonight, he took one mark and had two kicks. As in, yep, like, spot come on. on. Like, come on. Yeah, yeah we, we, need, we need more out of him. And if he's, I know he's currently not our number one forward with Levi in the form that he is in. But he needs to be. Like we, that's, yeah. what, that's what I was going to say. He needs he, he needs to be our number one forward, Harry, especially with Charlie down. Exactly. Knowing Kerno still has to come back into this team, the fact that we're saying McKay at the moment shouldn't be in the team is a really scary thought for him. It yeah. is disappointing that he hasn't lived up so far this year. Um, I wonder if that groin issue is still a thing or whether he's just simply out of form, but... Yeah, I don't think I don't think he's a best twenty-two player right now. If we're picking our best twenty-two simply to to win, no, I, I completely agree. Now, I actually proposed this question to Bolt on the show last week. If the following players are all fully fit, who misses out? The players being Kerno, McKay, Casbolt, McGovern, and Jack Silvani, and assuming Cruiser and Pittenet are fit as well, you obviously can't fit the seven into the team. Is McKay currently at the bottom of the pecking order? I think he currently is at the bottom of the pecking order. I don't think there's any other way around it. Casbolt's been borderline all-Australian form so far this year, aside from tonight where he was comfortably beaten. McGovern is often quiet, but often still bobs up for a goal or two. Again, yeah. He was comfortably beaten today. Harry's still learning. It's easy to forget he's a 21, 22-year-old who still has a lot of development left in him. And again... The most baffling thing Carlton has done in the last five years was Brendan Bolton not playing Harry Mackay in his second year, where he spent most of the year in the twos. And I was I was working for the Northern Blues at the time and watching him try to mark the ball in VFL conditions, in, in blustering winds, he was never going to dominate those conditions and he needed to be in the AFL team getting reps in like Eric Hickwood was over in Brisbane, like Harry Himmelberg was over at GWS. And Carl didn't pull the trigger on him, or even like King tonight. You know, he's come straight in. Development a bit. No, I, I completely agree. Looking at our backline tonight, I think in the first half, Liam Jones lost his head a little bit. He, oh, two he, goals. Yeah, so he he gave away the two goals. Weedering was just too short, to be honest, for Max King. Did you feel that was yeah. the case as well? Oh, their ball use inside fifty was too good. Those marks that Max King took inside fifty were. There was nothing Wittering could do about it. He, you're right, he just wasn't tall enough. The kicks were perfectly placed. There's nothing he could really do about it. I feel bad for Jonesy. He directly conceded two goals to the Saints at really bad times. But he also took 11 marks, um, and five of them were contested. So he he really tried to make amends for it. But when you concede two goals in a low-scoring game, it's it's uh, it's brutal. No, I couldn't agree more. Nick, what did you think of Lockie Plowman's game tonight? Harrison and I have been on his back a little bit last the last fortnight. I think he had a better game tonight, but what were your thoughts? Plowman is my whipping boy, I'm not going to lie. I've, I've, <laughs> I've never really understood his spot in the team. I, I feel he's too slow to play on small forwards, not strong enough to play on the medium forwards like a Dean Kent or a Isaac Heaney or 
those kind of players. So I don't really know what he does, but he finished third in the best of Ferris. I still can't work that out. Uh, well, so. We were actually speaking about that finish last in, in last year's best and Ferris last week, and I said I feel like I'm watching a different game sometimes. I, I, I don't understand it. Um, he was good tonight, though. His first half was good. He, he got his fist into a few uh, balls that probably would have been marked otherwise. But yeah, I'm I'm always I'm always a bit harder harder on um, on Lucky. The, the, the problem is we don't have a, a, a small defender on our list. Zach Tilly left for Geelong, and we literally never replaced him. So unfortunately, he's all we got. No, that's that's exactly it. I think our recruiting in that department needs a little bit of work this off season. Tom Williamson and Sam Petrovsky seeding tonight. What did you make of their games? And is that is that another step in the right direction for Williamson? Yeah, Willow just needs time at the level to adjust. He needs time to, to find some confidence, get get some footy under him. He made a few mistakes tonight, but um, he's yeah, he's just he just needs time. He's clearly an AFL level player. He's going to be um, a halfback flanker for a, for a long long time now. I'm still not sure with Petrovsky seeding off halfback. I know he's he locked down Tip and Woody last week. He did a really good job there. I just I feel like. He's a Rolls Royce doing the, the role of a of a Ute, you know. I, I want him playing heavy wing um, half forward minutes where he can damage the, the scoreboard and have an impact on the game. When he's sort of playing deep defense where he gets the ball ten times a game, I don't know. I know he missed the crucial kick in this game that if he hits that target, the game maybe swings completely going inside fifty. I think it was. Early in the fourth quarter or late in the third? Late quarter? in the th- late in the third. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, if he hits that target, it's a different game. But still, I want the ball in his hands more, and I, I don't, I don't know about him as a defender. But clearly, they're, they're committed to it at this point. So I'm not sure. So I've, so I'm going to stick with the car analogy here because I think he is a Rolls Royce. I think he's he's usually really clean. I like getting the ball into his hands. But for me, I just feel like. When Petrescu Seaton plays in the midfield, he's a Rolls Royce that kind of runs out of gas a bit. He just goes missing yeah. for large chunks, and I don't think he's ever going to be that twenty-five possession, you know, midfielder who hits the school scoreboard the other way. I think, you know, actually making him accountable in the back line and giving, and, you know, giving him something else to worry about. Whereby, if he isn't going to get the ball, you know, he's still contributing in that sense. Is real because I actually think he played pretty good footy there at the end of last year, and I think he's had, you know, a couple of you know, good patches there this year, but you're right, that kick, I thought there were remotes flying because I think we were 18 uh, points down and we were streaming yeah. forward. That's where we were getting the Saints. We were getting them, turning them over at halfback. Yep. Handball changed through the middle and he just, he just missed it and that was the game, honestly. That no, was it, it was. I honestly think when we are in full flight, we are really hard to defend against. We saw it against Richmond. We saw it against Melbourne. We saw it against Geelong, and we've seen it again this week. We usually have at least a quarter where we dominate and where we take complete control of the game. I think against Melbourne was the easiest uh, game to identify. It was when we get our hands on the ball and go right through the middle, we're very hard to stop. And I think that that's something that we need to build on and do for longer periods of time in the game. Once again, a disappointing start to the match tonight. You know, conceding the first—I think it was the how many goals did we concede? The first, the first three, I think. I think it was the first though six of the first seven. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, the the start is that something that's concerning still, Nick? Do you think the starts to our games? It's it is frustrating, and I think it's I think it's a coaching issue rather than a player's 
issue because David Teague has proven himself to be a really good reactive coach. Carlton has found themselves down by 30 points or more, I think, in the vast majority of his games. And yet I couldn't a, agree more. He has a 50% winning record, but at the same time, we still find ourselves in these holes. I think he was completely outcoached by Rayton in the first quarter with matchups and with uh, spread from stoppages and situations. Rayton brought a style in, and Carlton had no idea what to do. It took until halfway through the second quarter for the Blues to adjust, and then we took control of the game. When it all clicks for the, for the Blues, when we slow the game down through the midfield and can turn the ball over at half-back and attack through the middle, we look unstoppable. The issue is we get 30 points down before we work out how to do that against certain opposition. And that's, in a 16-minute quarter, that's, it's too hard to come back, as we saw here and as we saw against Melbourne. I, I couldn't agree more. I think that it's the perfect way to sum it up. He improvises on the spot, which is an incredible asset to have. But when we're conceding points, we're conceding points very quickly. Yeah, yeah. And that's partly because our midfield isn't very good defensively. Um, and they don't put a lot of pressure on the ball. Great call. And St Kilda carved us up going forward. I don't think there was much Weeder and Jones, Plowman, any of them could do about a lot of those inside 50s. I think they were caught one-on-one. And, and honestly, there's, there's not a lot of defender can do about those situations with the space the Saints had. So, Nick, if you had to rate Teague out of 10 tonight, what would you give him? Um, so he played two total good quarters, half of the second quarter, half of the fourth quarter, and all of the third. So I'll, I'll, give, him, I'll give him a 5.5 out of 10 for tonight because... That's the amount of time we played well in this game. So I'll go five and a half. What about you guys? Yeah, I was definitely. I was yeah. I was going to say five as well. I think you know tonight's the first time where we probably you know got beaten in the matchup department. You know for the first time this year it was probably like mm, you know they got the ascendancy early because we, we were out coached early. So but once again like the fact that we can work our way back into the game. But yeah, that was yeah. Radden just got the better of him. You know. Before the game, first quarter, he set up the win. They, the, the game was, you know, done. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I'm also going to give... I, I think that was pretty much a flat five. Yeah. Five or six. Yeah, we mentioned he gets... He, he He's able to get us back into these games. But, you know, tonight we were just too far behind. And it just, it just means that if we do leak a couple of goals when we're on the comeback, it's just not enough. And that's what happened tonight. We were looking really good. We just leaked a few and the game was really done there and then. I was saying to Jed beforehand and I'll... Get your opinion on this as well, Nick. Walsh. we got to get throw Walsh into the middle a bit more. I, I just think, you know, Walsh on a wing, it's just not enough. I think, you know, get his hands on the footy again. You know, we had it with Murphy and Kerno last year when they were playing on flanks under Bolton and Teague threw them in the middle. I just think, you know, we got to get a little bit more ball into Walsh's hands. Get him at the coal face. Because I, I just think we're underutilizing him, to be honest, playing solely on a wing. I, I, I agree there. I, look, I don't want to plug my own SEN.com.au content, but I wrote an article earlier in the week looking at Carlton's stoppages yeah. and their centre-bounce attendances. And uh, Walsh has attended something like seven centre-bounces total this yeah, year. It's, going wow. into it's, ridic- it's ridiculous. Um, it's it's a bit, bit strange. They seem to really want him to develop into a wingman, but he can't find his own ball. No. That's one of the issues here. He runs so hard, and he set up Eddie Betts' first goal with a 150-metre sprint, which is something that deserves a lot of kudos. But he's not someone who, who finds the ball. He doesn't have that natural sense of getting the ball, or at least he did last year, but he's he's lost it a bit this year. Honestly, if his 
I think if his second year blues are he's struggling to find the ball a bit and he sometimes has the yips by foot, we can live with that. Like he's still a best twenty two player. He's oh, still yeah. a nineteen year old who, as I said, ran hundred and fifty meters to take to almost take a contested mark inside fifty, leading to a goal. Yeah. So I'm not concerned about Walsh, but I do want him on ball ball, especially when Cripps goes forward. I would have thought you would go Setterfield, Cunningham, Walsh, or yeah. Setterfield, Martin, Walsh, no. rather than um, than Cunningham. Because if Setterfield, Martin, Cunningham is three really offensive players, you need that Walsh or that Kurnow in there as that smart, defensively-minded player. Yeah, I completely agree. I agree as well. Well, I think it's time we rate the players. We'll start off with our top three on the evening. Nick, do you want to kick us off? Who did you think was our best of field tonight? Jack Martin, and it wasn't even close. Yeah, it wasn't close. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm on the same page. This, how good are his hands? He's so clean. He's, oh. Mate, we're not paying him enough. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to front end and back end that contract. <laughs> I'm almost upset that he's not going to get much of that front end deal because of the yeah. salary slashes. He deserves every single cent based on the way he's played so far this season. Yeah, he's a jet, no, Jack Martin. He was unbelievable tonight, and for mine as well, definitely the best of field. I'm actually going to give him a 9 out of 10. Yeah, I'd say. I, awesome. I thought he was brilliant. He was yeah, awesome. I'll go 8 out of 10 simply because he missed those two yeah. uh, shots of goal. That's but fair. That, I'm a harsh critic, so. That's, that's fair enough. Second best of field. This could be one of a couple players. I know Harrison and I probably have varying opinions on this. I thought Setterfield kept us in the game in the first half, um, which is two pretty clutch goals and also some, some good work at the coal face when Cripps was struggling. Uh, I had Setterfield as well as my second best. I just thought he stepped up when we needed to and, as you said, when Cripps was struggling. And for a midfielder to hit the scoreboard, it's just pivotal. And, no, I think Setterfield's had a really, really good fortnight, actually. You know, playing yeah, in the guts, actually, you know, at stoppages, so... No, I completely agree. That last quarter against Essendon as well last week where he just stepped up in the midfield was brilliant. And, I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think tonight was definitely one of his best games for Carlton, actually. I think the game against Adelaide last year probably stands out as one of his better games. Does this rank as anywhere near that? Yeah, top three, I'd say. Yeah, I agree there. Yeah. I'm going to give him an 8 out of 10 tonight. Yeah, I had him on an 8. Yep, agree there. Now, the third. This, the third. Is, this, this is, is where it opens up. Yeah, I this opens up. Who have you got, Nick? Cripps' last quarter was phenomenal when Jack Steele was too tired to hold him at every single stoppage, but I don't want to go down that ranch path. But um, Cripps was probably the third best player, but he was well beaten when the game was on the line. So I'm going to give it to Murphy. I think he did a great job locking down on Brad Hill. I don't think Murph gets a lot of credit defensively. And fair enough, he's always been a bit of a downhill skier. But tonight, his job was to stay close to Brad Hill, make sure he doesn't get gold side, make sure he doesn't have an influence forward of the ball. And he very clearly did that while picking up 14 disposals at 92% disposal efficiency. So I think Murph did his job really well tonight. And I think a lot of players didn't do their job very well tonight. So I'll I'll give it to him. That's a very fair call. And as you mentioned, the 92% disposal efficiency, he is still... Easily one of our best ball users. Easily. For sure. And he yeah, sets absolutely. up the play. Every every possession that he has, we we really need. I mean, he, he utilizes the ball when he gets it and really sets us up going forward. His vision's brilliant and his capacity to just turn that defensive mindset into an offensive mindset 
is brilliant for mine. Was he was he up there for yours, Bolt? He actually wasn't, to be honest. Uh, so I actually didn't really notice him locking completely down on Hill, to be completely fair. But uh, yeah, I ended up going with Cripps just because, once again, you know, when Cripps wanted to turn it on a bit, you know, we kind of went with him, and you know, he kicked that beautiful waltz out of that stoppage on his mm, left. Yeah, but you know, he and I know he was beaten convincingly early by um, Still. But to come away with 22 and a goal, you know, and he put himself in really good positions eventually and drew six free kicks, which is, you know, first of the footy as well. They're kind of worrying about Crips around the stoppages. Um, so I ended up going... It wasn't one of his best nights, but once again, it's noticeable that when Crips wanted to play, Carlton, you know, um, rise to another level as such. So I went Crips, but it could have been, you know, a handful of them. Yeah, that's 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 totally fair. I agree with both of those. I'm going to throw another name in the hat here, being Michael Gibbons. See, I'm so not sure on it. Uh. I thought he was really, really good tonight. There's a difference between his game from last week and this week. He didn't get as much of the pill this week, but I thought every time he got the ball, he was clean with it, which is something that he wasn't last week. Last week, he butchered it a little bit more and probably didn't take advantage of some of his opportunities. I thought tonight he set up the play really well at the back end of the third quarter. He had two crucial possessions leading up to one of our goals. I, I believe it was off the half back, finding uh, some space on the wing. Yeah, I actually really, really liked Gibbons' game tonight. Um, I'll be honest, I didn't, I didn't notice him as much, so, but he's had a, a eleven disposals at eighty-one percent efficiency, mostly uncontested possession. So he's he's used the ball well on the outside, clearly. Um, but honestly, I. Can't really remember much of what he did, but he kicked that goal when we needed it, and that was mm. that was quite clutch. Yeah, we always like the midfielders kicking goals. No, certainly we Should do. We get to the dark side. Yeah, let's let's. I mean, look, we don't like we don't like attacking players here, and it's not really an attack. It's more just like a nudge to to move forward and and you know aspire to be. When we better. lose, it's a push. Yeah, when it's we a push. Win, it's it's a nudge. Yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah. Okay. I'll I'll go. I think the ruckman had a stinker tonight. Um, Pitane. If you look at the stat sheet, they both had 22 hitouts, uh, Pidney and Marshall. So, if at a glance it looks like they were they were pretty even, but he's he's he was beaten comfortably around the ground. And in previous weeks, Carlton have been really good at centre bounce situations because Pidney has been on top in the ruck battle and hitting it where where we want it. He's been hitting it in Cripps' direction or in attacking spots to where Cunningham wants it. Marshall just kicked his butt tonight when it mattered most, and Marshall had 14 more disposals as well. So I, I think I think he was pretty soundly beaten tonight. Yeah, he was definitely beaten. Um, for me, I know we've touched on him beforehand, so I'm not going to go on about him. But for me, I, I can't go past Harry McKay as being clearly yeah. the worst on ground. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to add much more. But yeah, he, yeah. Yeah, that's that's fair. Look, it's it's you know we've got to be realistic. We can't sugarcoat everything here. Oh, and no, they're not going to play well every week, but it's just he's really oh, yeah. So I'm going to go down a different path. I'll stick with the key forwards. I'm going to throw in Mitch McGovern. I thought he usually, even when he doesn't have the best games, he still bops up and kicks a goal or two. Wasn't able to hit the scoreboard tonight and just didn't really have any impact on the game, I felt, and he was comfortably beaten. I think Wilkie played on him yep. uh, for most of the evening, and Wilkie ran right early, and McGovern... What was that? McGovern didn't do enough to actually play on his opponent, I thought, and that, that for my... I thought if McGovern stuck a bit closer to him and limited his impact, St Kilda may have been you know, worse off in the first quarter, because let's be honest, 
whenever we went forward, it was Wilkie who was just rebounding. McGovern had... is a complete one-way runner. Yeah. Well, I, he, we actually, that, we actually was look okay issue. when we're spreading quickly. He, he's had it a few times this year where he gets the ball in the middle of the field and he changes direction with a long kick across the ground. Yep. He's done it a few times this year. But yeah, he's just... Yeah, it was yeah, a tough so, night for so him. So tonight was a tough night, comfortably beaten, and he was in there for mine. Nick, anyone else to chuck in the bottom three? Uh, all six key, key position-sized players, I think, had had pretty poor nights. Mackay, Pitney, McGovern, Casbolt, uh, Jones and Wiedering. I don't think any of them will look back on this one pretty fondly, so I think all, all the big guys can probably get, get thrown in, honestly. Yep, and, and probably bets, to be honest, didn't do much. Yeah, yeah, agreed. He, he was quiet, but I mean... The, the the forward fifty usage by by our oh, midfielders coming in didn't really give him much of a chance. Horrible. Either, I think. Yeah, no, I agree. It was it was a t- it, was, it was it was very limited opportunities down um, inside our forward fifty. It was just it's just an, it was just an annoying night. Yeah, I, th- I think there were a lot of wasted opportunities as well when we had the ball in hand. Now, in terms of changes for next week, are there going to be any changes for mine? I'd bring Fisher in if he's overcome his gastro. Yeah. And I'd bring Silvani in if he's overcome his ribs, in, his, his broken ribs. But for mine, I'm not sure there's anyone outside of those two to bring in. I've been going on about Josh Honey. I want to see him play in this team. Yes. Uh, he's one for mine that I think could have a real impact. Quick with the ball. He's built really well for AFL level. Do you know much about him? Have you seen much of him at the level below? I've only seen the bits and pieces that the Blues have been putting out, but um, I've, I've got a few um, a few people at the Blues who I've been badgering about uh, twos, uh, who's been starring and what, and they all rave about Honey. So he's been in the emergencies. He's, he's on the doorstep. So I would be excited to see him. I want to see Lucky O'Brien in the team, though. I, I'm done. I'm done with Jack News. Oh, I couldn't agree I'm more. I'm done with Jack News. I need him out of this team. I don't know what he brings. He was put as a loose defender late in the game yeah. around a crucial ball. <laughs> he can't play on the wing. His ball use is really poor. And I just want Lockie O'Brien playing the exact role that Jack Hughes is currently playing in the team. So that's a change I would make straight I, away. I, I completely agree. I don't know. I actually don't know what there is to gain by playing Nunes in that position. Cause Nothing. Because he, he's not going to be there in our next premiership side. He's not going to be no. there when we're contending. And O'Brien might be. He's probably not going to be there by round 18. <laughs> he's... Yeah, well, yeah. I, I'm not sure what he brings to the table that O'Brien doesn't, other than the fact that he's got experience at the level. I actually haven't thought Nunes' last two weeks have been as bad as his first three, but it's just like, you know, O'Brien can play just as well as that, you know, and we'd rather get the, those games into O'Brien than Nunes. That's the, I think that's the point of the, con- of the argument about playing O'Brien over Nunes. No, I completely agree. So for mine, the changes that I would make, I'd bring in Silvani for McKay, yeah, it's stiff on McKay, but... We he, look better small as well. We, yeah, yeah, no, we do. And he needs a run in the twos, so I'd bring in Silvani for McKay. I'd bring in Fisher for Nunes, and I'm not too sure there's much else that we can do. Yeah. I'd like to see Honey, I'd like to see Kennedy, and I'd like to see O'Brien, but I'm not sure there's really anyone no, that I we think, can take out of the those, side outside those, of those, those two. Those two changes, I'm on the same Because I'd keep Philpin. I, I, yeah. I, I don't think you can drop him off tonight's performance. I hope they don't. Yeah, yeah, I think I think Mackay comes out for Silvani. Honestly, if we're picking based on purely purely on form, Sauce has done nothing wrong to to not come straight back into the team. Fisher comes in for Nunes. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, if they're going to be harsh, I think Philp would be the one who comes out for either an O'Brien or a Kennedy. But yeah, yeah I, I'm okay with him getting a run of games here. I think 
he's earned that with his performance um, in the previous in the lower levels, and I think he's earned a few games to sort of find his feet at AFL level. Were you impressed with him tonight? And um, when he bobbed up, he was good. He, he's what he brings to the table is clean hands and a bit of spark whenever he has the ball. And I think he bring, he brought that tonight when he when he hit the pack when the free kick was paid. I don't think he knew that a free kick had been paid. He hit the pack hard and then ran into an open goal. Yeah, and he had a bit of a so, sidestep to it as well. Like, I, yeah, was, I think he judged that ball beautifully. It was yeah, a great pickup. Yeah. Bolt, would you agree with those changes? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm on the same page as well. I don't think there's enough room to bring in O'Brien yet. Um, he's probably got to wait a little bit more for something to open up. But I think, yeah, Fisher, Silvani walk in for McKay and um, Nunes. And, I'd yeah, I'd play Philip again, to be honest. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's probably the most logical, the logical changes to make. Nick, thank you so much for joining us on the Blues Footy Podcast this week. We really appreciate you taking the time once again late at night after the match to come and join us on the show. No worries, boys. It was good fun. Thanks for having me. Cheers, mate. Nick Negropontis there doing some brilliant things in the AFL world. Once again, a digital content coordinator at Croc Media and a contributor at the AFL Record. But most importantly, a fellow blue bagger who sees the game quite similarly to us, but in a different light as well. And that's why we brought him on the show. Good. I feel like I had a pretty similar opinion yeah, I, to I, him on most things. I, I yeah. agree. I felt like you two had the very similar opinion, but a bit different to mine. Yeah. No, so it was great to get him on. Really good to no, get that. No, that was really good to stuff. Get, to get that third voice. Now, Blue Baggers, we put the question out. We said, any questions you've got for us, throw them our way and we'll be happy to answer them. So, Bolt, the way we're going to do this, I'm going to read them out. You can give your answer. And then if I think anything differently, yeah. I'll, I'll chip in as well. So, Easy. the first question came from Bento Box at, at Ben is Railson. The question is, do we have another crack at having three tours up forward? Or do you reckon we're better as a smaller side? Also, I feel like every time the Saints went inside 50, they had a free man. Is it worth sending Levi or even Mitch back more often? Cheers, lads. Keep up the good work. Well, it's a very good question. Yeah, I, I definitely think... I've always said having three tools plus the Ruckman is a bit too much. The, the, a bit too top-heavy? The way we play, it's too heavy. You know, in a Carlton teams, you know, gone by, more than fine to have that, but... The Carlton team we've got at the moment, we need a bit of chaos just because we're not great going inside 50 yet by foot. So, um, yeah, I don't think they'll have all three of McGovern, Casbolt, and um, McKay next week. I think Silvani's probably likely to come in for McKay. Um, and, yeah, and I actually floated the idea controversially last night on Twitter about, you know, if it was getting a bit out of hand to throw Casbolt back. And they probably could have done that just to get his hands on the footy a bit. I think they should have done They probably they, should have. They did it towards because, the back end, but they should have done it earlier. Well. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Battle's a good football. Battle is a good player. So, yeah, I don't think... I, I, it's definitely a worthy suggestion, dropping one of them back. But, yeah, no, it's I, I gr- agree with um, Ben. Good stuff, uh, Bento Box. Len Breyer, he says, learn to hit straight between the big sticks. Look, Len, I agree. I think going forward, it's costly when we miss those shots. So costly. Hit a net with a big miss and Crips with a big miss. If they nail those two goals, we're within a kick going Even into the last Even last quarter. week against Essendon, you know, well, the game would have been done. Melbourne Melbourne, when, when Betts, Crips, Martin, yeah, they all it's miss. It's very frustrating. We need to and be better in front of goal. As well. And let's be honest... Levi's been tremendous this year and he's kicked eight goals straight, but he's also kicked five out on the full. Yeah, it's and, and deceiving. You don't need to get me started on H's set shots because oh he's, he's in a bit of strife yeah, there. Yeah, that is a mess. Uh, the next question coming in from at Mickey C's. 
Mickey says, why was Doc on the bench in the first quarter at all? We couldn't get him back on the field. It's the first quarter. The quarters are shortened already, and our informed player and captain is on the bench while St. Kilda were running roughshod. Yep. I think the commentators pointed that out they as did, well. They, they did. That the Carlton officials were, were shouting for a to defender be, to and, come and off. And that's a game sense thing from a lot of the players. You know, you've just got to be aware of who's where. You know, you've got to be aware of, you know, the times on the scoreboard. They'll know their rotations. I just think that's a match awareness thing, which honestly... Comes probably, with experience. And, which is probably enhanced when Doherty's on the field. Exactly. So, yeah, just a bit of an just a bit of an issue with, you know, man management there. But, um, yeah, they'll definitely work on that. But, yeah, it's very frustrating when that does happen, when they get stuck on the interchange. No, nah, certainly. The next question coming in from at Bryce Celtics. Uh, yep, it's Bryce. Bryce wants to know, who are the changes for next week? And does it feel when we are under fire, we revert to Bolt's old game plan of moving it quick, but not looking where the ball is going? And what do we do with McKay? Okay, so changes that we've touched on, you know, I personally think will be H and Nunes making way for Fisher and Silvani. Um, and I do understand because there was that one instance where Nunes just, and I think Setterfield did it as well. They just kicked it with no regard coming out of the back line. But I think, you know, under Teague, when Carlton, when we are under fire. What we've just got to do, and we set it in round two, and it cost us the game late, you've just got to run and carry the footy. They've got to run, they've got to spread into space, and if they do that, rather than kicking blindly, and just hold the footy a bit, and it takes a lot of composure, and it's hard to watch sometimes, but when it pays off, it's bloody awesome to watch. I don't think they necessarily revolt to Bolton's game plan, just that static kicking down the line, where it's just an easy to pick off for St Kilda. Because they did, they, they did create, you know, by hand, um, so I think they have come a long way since the Bolton massacre. But yeah, they do still need a bit more composure and polish going forward. No, I do agree. And I mean, we've touched on the situation with McKay as well, that we both believe he should probably get a spell in the twos, to be fair. Next question coming in from Stephen Pace at Stephen Pace 9 he, won- he says, do you think SPS is best suited in the back line? If not, where's his best position? So I'm in the minority here. I think he's a... Halfback flanker. I'm yeah. in the minority. But I know. I know. I am. But I'm pretty strong on the fact that I think you've got to give him a task, and then you've got to get the ball on in his hands going the other way. Yeah, and I, I mean, Nick touched on this as well earlier in the show that he thinks that SPS would be more beneficial to the team playing a more attacking role. And I must agree. I think he will eventually become a winger half forward. But I'm not, you know, worried with him playing there for the time being because he's going to learn his craft off the halfback. It'll probably enhance his game as well, just having, you know, to be more accountable, as you keep saying. So, yeah, I, I think he is best suited in the back line, but only for now. I think eventually we would want to see him move further up the ground and spend a lot more time in the midfield. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Next question coming in from Callum Ware. Setterfield, after his performance, is he worthy of being a starter? Um, well, I guess these days anyway, I've always said, you know, if you're going to win a flag, you need seven or eight guys that can competently run through the middle and, you know, play, you know, stoppages inside. So he's definitely, yeah, I've got no issue with him being, you know, at the coalface to start a game. Um, he's probably not in the first rotation, you know, on the whiteboard, but, you know, he's getting way, he's had, he's had much more exposure in the middle over the last fortnight. So it's definitely and worth it's a crack. dividends. It has. And it's really, you know what, he's, he's actually going to be a really good player. He's good at driving the ball inside 50. Yep. He's one of the offensive midfielders we've got as well. So, um, yeah. I, yeah. Th- I think this has been a massive fortnight for Setters. Hopefully by the end of, you know, next year, because he's only played 25 games, he's a top line midfielder at the Carlton Footy Club. Yeah. I think that's a fair ask of him. Yeah. Next one coming in from Azza at Azza underscore W20. 
He says the most critical moment of the game was not decided by an umpire. It was in the third quarter when SPS missed the lead-up target when we had momentum. That kick, Azza, if I see you at the footy next year, I'll give you a beer off that tweet. Those are my thoughts in one tweet. That kick slaughtered us. Yeah, no, that's that's brilliant. Azza, come find us at the footy next year. We'll shout you a beer. Next tweet coming in from Tim's Trading at Oz Trading. Shout out to Tim. Our guys aren't angry enough. Doesn't appear to be any real mongrel about us at all. At no stage did we look like winning or really have any intensity at all. Missed opportunity. Tim, I couldn't agree more. That's one thing that I've been asking of this playing group a little bit more is to show some aggression and some hunger for the footy. I think the only game that we've done that was against Geelong this year. That was that was the only game where we came out and from the from the get-go showed some hunger and some real intent. That's what we want to see. Yeah. I think that was lacking tonight and it told on this, you know, the scoreboard and also the tackle count. We only had 3 mm-hmm. players lay a tackle in the first quarter. That's not good enough. And that needs to be addressed. And I think Teague needs to ingrain that in the boys. Because let's be honest. That word mongrel sticks out because they need a bit of, you I know. know. Yeah, Teague's it, not a, Teague doesn't have that in him. But he played he, with it a bit. But he needs to instill it in the playing group. Yeah, I know. And that's why I originally said, you no, know, in round one, where it was a bit of a heated game. You know, Nunes was the bloke that was getting into the opposition's yeah, face yeah. with a bit of mongrel. See, that, and, that, that, is, that is fair enough for him to be in the team to bring the aggression. Yeah. And, but he hasn't done that since then. No. And we haven't really had the opportunity to do, you know, do you know what I mean? Because, mm. you know, O'Brien and Fisher aren't going to get into the face of an opponent or, you know, l- launch their body at someone. But I definitely think... I'd love Setterfield too. I'd love Cedarfield to, you know, Cripps can do it as well if he needs to. Love Jack to. Martin too. Yeah, yeah. I'd love Levi too. Just, just anyone, just a bit like of presence, I, you know, yeah. stamp your authority a bit. And really, like, the Carlton players tonight should have been getting stuck into still. Oh, they should have been. They really should have been you, at you still. You need to back up the skipper. Yeah. You really need to, and they weren't. They yeah. weren't. That's, that is Because I, I guarantee you, if it was the other way around, Cripps would have been digging oh, his elbows oh. into Jack Still. 100%. 100%. And next question coming in from Euan Morton. He says, tackling, do we know what it is? If yes, when will we learn how to do it? Does Ed's ridiculous boot on ball outweigh his tagging abilities? What's up with Walsh? And when will we string some real good play together for four quarters? This is a brilliant tweet. Oh, okay. This is a great tweet. Um, his bad kicking does outweigh his tackling, and I've said it for a long time. Ed Kerno's disposal is, it's it's not great. It's not flash. We know it's not one of his, you know, strengths. And yeah, no, it it, it is an issue because he he does hack on. He does hack the ball a bit, Ed Kerno. Ed Kerno tonight was so costly. He wasn't great. The and what was the hand. second half of but that question again? It was so it was about Ed Kerno. It was that it was does his ridiculous boot on ball outweigh his tackling abilities? What's up with Walsh and when? Oh we- no, sorry. It was back to the tackling. And I said it to you during the game. I've seen it three or four times this year when there's a loose ball to be won. McGovern's done it. Martin's done it. they go in and bump. And they did it about three times in the first 10 minutes of the first quarter. They went to bump. Can I ask a question? What's there to gain by bumping? Do you reckon that comes as a result of doing that at training? Because obviously they've limited the tackles at training yeah, due to COVID. Yeah, uh, Do you reckon... I'm being serious. Yeah, Do you reckon I, I, that's a genuine factor? I couldn't tell you, to be honest. But it's so frustrating. Because like, a bump... Because you're either going to give away a free kick and you're going to get yourself reported and suspended for two weeks. Or they're just going to bounce off the bump and away they go. There's yeah, nothing I, to be gained from a bump. I agree. And I think the players shy away. When you're bumping, you're actually shying away from the contest. The only reason a bump was relevant in our game was for when you could do it 
and you could literally knock a bloke out and impose yourself. Now, yeah. if you're going to do that, you're going to knock yourself out for a month. Yeah. There's just nothing to be gained by electing to bump rather than going at their hips. Yeah, look, I completely agree. That's a great tweet at EU underscore AN underscore me. Well done. That was a really good one. Next one coming from Aaron S at Big Rock 75. He says, forward line was a disaster tonight. Three tours, no good if Eddie had. Moved Casbolt behind the ball. That's what we've been saying. Yeah, cold on Twitter. We've got a bloody awesome Twitter community, yeah. I must say. This is, I don't think any club would have the same uh, Twitter community that we have. Next one coming in from Jordan Wilkes. He said, could tonight's loss be a reality check that we aren't as good as we think we are from the last two wins? Glass half full approach, but I hope it spurs us on to win the next two. Jordan, I must be honest, this was exactly my thoughts yeah. towards the back end of the game. I started thinking that way. I thought, you know what? Maybe it's not the worst thing going into a hub interstate, having this having this wake-up call. Yeah, I don't think it's an issue. I, yeah, to be honest, we've got to do it. Because yeah. now, you may think I'm being ridiculous. I genuinely don't think we would have beaten Geelong if we had beaten Melbourne. I honestly don't think we would have won that game. Mm. I think the fact that we lost to Melbourne when we so sh- clearly should have won spurred us on to win that game in Geelong. Yeah, no, I, I actually do. I, I know where you're coming from. Do you get this, what I'm trying yeah, to say? I, I, I know. I do know what, where you're coming from. They needed a bit of a, you know, kick up the backside. Another one coming in from Aaron S. He said, "How many players laid a tackle?" Aaron, I'll get the stats up for you. Actually, most of the team did end up laying a tackle. The only players that didn't were Doherty, Newton, Simpson, Walsh, and Wietering. The rest of the team laid at least one tackle. Pitternet with a game uh, with a team high of five. Cunningham laid four, so... Big disappointment yeah. Cunningham tonight after yeah, last yeah. week. Yeah, I, I think we expected him to back it up, which is fair enough, because he's... And we, and we do, and us, we, you know, we do go on about it. It is those second, third tier plays that where you've mm. got to get the most out of. And, you know, yeah. him, McGovern, Casbolt, these guys. I agree. Uh, next question coming in from Matthew Lazaro. He says, I like the forward chain of handballs we had a few times during the game, but we were let down by three key forwards who barely touched a footy. I think they made an error by going too tall when they could have brought in someone like Paddy Dow rather than playing Harry or Mitch. Look, Matthew, we've we've touched on this. We definitely agree with you. Paddy Dow's obviously not fit to play, though. He's injured, and to be honest, he's probably fallen out of favour at the club as well in terms of the next crop of players coming through. I would I would say that uh, O'Brien, Kennedy, and Honey would all be ahead of him now. Paddy Dow? Yeah. Yeah, look, I'm not Paddy Dow's number one fan. Yeah, I, to be honest, I'd be pretty disappointed if he walked in when he's fit. Oh, there's no way. Uh, he couldn't, there's surely. No, there's no way. There is no way. Paddy yeah, Dale I, comes yeah. straight back into that No, nah, he team. couldn't. Next one coming in from Jim Mooney. He says, do you think Cripps should have been pushed forward earlier? He was clearly copying illegal attention, but it was clear Steele wasn't going to be punished, so it felt like Teague was, slew- was too slow to respond and the game was lost. So I have seen a bit of, you know, talk back on Twitter about, you know, Cripps and Bonds and Pelly getting murdered at s- around stoppages. But I just think Cripps has to get on the move a bit more. If he gets on the move around stoppages, and they actually said in the coverage, rather than him wrestling his opponent, he's just got to get on the move and he'll draw a free kick. Yep. You know, if he's on the move, he'll draw a free kick. It's as yeah, simple they as did that. say that and I completely agree. Uh, a couple more coming in. This one's from Jimmy Faz. He says, Levi, Harry and Gov, does it work enough to stick with it? Should it be a team by team or ground-by-ground ground basis. Look, we've, we've touched on this. They've, look, they've played three games together, those two. Um, they played th- that, that trio played three games together this year and hasn't been too inspiring, to be honest. Yeah, I, I do agree. I do yeah. agree. Weren't great against Melbourne. 
Weren't no, they weren't. And against Geelong, obviously Harry struggled. Struggled. And then tonight, all, Harry, all, all, three all, all three of them have really struggled. So, yeah, tough. Mark Alvey has responded to that and said 14 inside 50s at halftime, 33 for the night. Forwards have no hope with those numbers. And that's fair enough. And that comes back to what Nick was talking about earlier, that our midfielders probably don't work hard enough defensively. And therefore, as a result of that, our inside 50 numbers were limited tonight. Uh, Jimmy said, great call. People, me included, will go after the three tours, but it's stats like that which are eye-opening. Just like the Melbourne game, we got monstered physically in the midfield. And I yep, do agree. I do agree with all that. That is very fair. FDR at Atipur said, not a disaster. We were horribly off our game. Short five-day break after three close ones. Totally done over by umpires and outplayed by apparently one of the form teams and lost by three goals. No drama. So that's it's probably a positive way of looking at things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think the five-day break would have impacted them to, because they're not really training, to be honest. So, yeah, well, St. Kilda also had a five-day yeah, break. And a lot of the players actually prefer to have the shorter turnaround rather than train during the week. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how... we Honestly, we don't, we're sitting here right now on a Thursday night. I've got no idea where, when, who we're going to be playing in round six and seven. So it's hard to know how they're going to bounce back next week after that. Certainly. And another one coming in from Tracy Reed. She says, and Tracy's a massive fan of the show. We really appreciate your support, Tracy, here at the Blues Footy Podcast. She says, gathered you finished recording, but I'm over these first quarters, lack of tackles and pressure. Hashtag crap. And look, Preach. Okay, yeah. we have harped on about this tonight. Completely agree, Tracy. So, yeah, definitely another one to come find us at the footy next year and we'll shout you a beer. Guys, that's it for the for the questions tonight. Yep. Another edition of the show in the books. Look, not the best result tonight, but not the worst as well. It could have been worse. At the end of the day, could we lost been. by three, three goals. Goal. Scoreline probably flattered us a little bit, but, I mean... Going forward, there's a lot to work with tonight. There were a few positives to come out of the game as well. So moving forward, I think it wasn't all doom and gloom tonight. No, and look, going look, into look, the look, hub which, as well, which, it would have been great to get a win before going into say, the hub. I was going to say it would have been, but going into that hub, it's also can be quite uh, important to get a wake up call. It'll be character building for him. And look, at the end of the day, we're two and three. It's the first time we've won two games in the opening month of a year since 2012. Yeah. So you know, we're two and three. You know, in two of those games have been against Geelong and Richmond. The other three against teams who were probably predicted about seventh to thirteenth on yep. the ladder. Yep. Two and three, the start of the year. You know, we've had, we've been in every game. We've been in every single game this year. I was going to say, David and, Teague has never really been smacked, other than when we went to the Cadbury at the end of last year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, he's, for sure. He's actually never been smacked. No. So you know what we're hanging around. They've, they're definitely improving. You can see the game plan. You can, you can see, see this team growing on a week to week basis. Yeah, tw- they're, they're not going to play finals in 2020 but you know if they keep going about their business this year and if they and if they end up with a 7 and 10 year not complaining with that brilliant and I think I think that we should land up with that yeah hopefully we do certainly blue baggers we hear you tonight on Twitter we are going to get to your questions once again next week so be sure to interact with us send us through some feedback as well anything you think we're doing well or we're not doing well we'd love to hear from you and once again even though we lost Go the Blues. I mean, we've got to get around them. They're still doing well. They're growing in front of us. So thank you very much for tuning into this week's edition of the Blues Footy Podcast. Be sure to tune in next week. And that is all we have for you tonight from Jed and Harrison. Oh, the Blues. Go Blues. Against the famous old-